after the success of a giant monster film, Toho Studios knew they had a potential winning formula on their hands with director Shara Honda, special effects by A.J. Shubaraya, and the sounds of Akira Ikafube. And this time, they added into the mix color film and a new monster menace to the world. This is Kaiju versus History, 1956 Rodan. Everybody and welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is Miles, and I am joined by my co-host and fellow miner Patrick. Welcome back, buddy, from the coal mines. <laughs> I've got the black lung. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't read any more of my notes this week. Very, very excited uh, for this week's episode, partially because. Uh, yeah. We've been in American movie territory for so long. <laughs> I mean, for for a little bit. I mean, last week was still it's Godzilla, but yeah. it, it's it's nice to be reviewing a Toho film again. Yep, yep. Back at the table, the Toho table, after a few weeks of American films, some good, some bad, uh, or you know, like you said, an American adaptation. But yeah, even after Godzilla last week. This is this is a whole new new experience, you know. It's something new to the table, and it's brought to us by those three masters I mentioned in the the show's intro. Yeah, I, I Rodan has always been. I don't want to say a favorite monster of mine because I'm obviously, you know, when we start this podcast, I talked about how much I loved King Cesar and 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 Gigan and stuff, but I, I've always had an affinity for this monster yeah i mean in in i I really i don't know i remembered rodan of the show era as like a buddy of uh well, and Godzilla. He, he becomes that i mean he becomes a, a him and angerous are both become mm-hmm. kind of seen as godzilla's pals even though if godzilla is kind of the curmudgeon of that trio <laughs> And then in 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters, he's really just Godzilla's toady <laughs> or King Ghidorah's toady. Right. But but he does bend the knee at the end. Spoiler you bet. We're oh, talking you about, gotta like, bend the knee. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed Rodan, even though this this is really his only solo adventure where he gets all of the, the attention. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm excited to, to get into this because... Like I like I said, I, I have always appreciated this monster. I I like it's it's nice having a flyer, honestly. That sounds weird, but like <laughs> it's it's just a very different creature than a lot of the ones that we've really done before. Even with yeah. them, where you have those ants, it's it's not the same. Yeah, and I mean there's a lot of firsts here as well as there were in 1954's Gojira. But this is one of the the There's first a big first here special effects movies for Toho filmed in color. And not only did they decide to do that, but they decided to add in a whole bunch more challenges for EJ Super Aya's team and really kick up the special effects. But yeah, had have Ashira Honda come back and film a very different but similar movie to Gojira. You still you've got 
some very interesting ground level human characters and a mystery to kind of kick off the adventure, which is kind of in his scripts, a, a a standard motif we will see even in things like the Mysterians and Atragon and things like that. But yeah, this film, the story originally was written by a seasoned author, Ken Korunuma, who penned the original plot to the movie. And then as was typical in, in Toho fashion, Ashira Honda would go on and kind of write the script. It was just the standard kind of way that the directors operated back then. They also had like writing credits and would take like a a spec script almost and like kind of flesh it out with characters and things like that. At least that's how Ashir Honda and Kurosawa and the three crows operated. And uh, Ken would go on to write Varen, the unbelievable after this. Well, before we go any further, Patrick, I want you to tell us, What's in the title? A lot, actually, this week, <laughs> because the Japanese title for this film is different than what we know it here in the U.S., which is just Rodan, R-O-D-A-N. The Japanese title is translates to Giant Monster of the Sky, Rodan, but is actually <laughs> Sorono Dokaju Rodan. R-A-D-O-N, and part of the international Americanization of the movie is the two vowels were displaced. They were switched places because I think they were too afraid of radon sounding like radon or being pronounced like radon, which is an element in, in English. The Japanese name radon is a contraction of pterodon. So they just kind of like took out some letters and smushed them together, if that makes any sense. But yeah, in, in the English speaking market, it was changed. And I, I mean, it, I guess it does kind of lose some of its connection to Pterodon, but it, I don't know, it, it sounds more like a monster's name to me, Rodan, <laughs> as opposed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the name that we've been using for <laughs> almost 50, over 50 years. So, I, And I believe that, it has changed the official name of the characters. I, I actually that that might not be the case. I think they might still refer to it as Redon in in Japan. But yeah, it had some different titles all over the world. Rodan, Bird of Death, and I think it's a similar situation in in Poland or in in uh, Europe when this came out. They took the English spelling of the word in Brazil, Rodan, the space monster, which makes no sense (laughs) because (laughs) he's not from space. He's very much. I mean, they show the egg. I guess the egg original egg could have come from outer space, but flying monster vulture uh, is the direct translation for the film in Taiwan. There's a whole bunch of crazy ones in Spain, the sons of the volcano, Los Hios de Volcan. That doesn't make a lot, a ton of sense, but it's it's kind of cool. It kind of well, there's two creatures. Yeah, one, one comes well, from the volcano. I can it I can see it. Spoils the twist, you know that that there are a couple of of monsters. I get. I mean, if you look at the poster, there's only ever one on the poster. So, well, it's a situation like Godzilla. Where initially they they called the the classification of the creature Rodan or mm-hmm. Radon, but that becomes the creature. You know, yeah. there's, I, don't, I don't think there's ever two again. I think it's always just the one creature named Rodan. There is 
I mean, we could probably fill up an entire episode talking about the titles of of movies like this and how they ch- them and the posters change as they go throughout the world. This is this is a good example of one because this one, just like the original Godzilla, very popular in the U.S. and in Europe and abroad. It definitely traveled all around the Pacific specifically and. I mean, it doesn't uh, take a genius to figure out why. It looks beautiful. The special effects are amazing. The, the color process that they use for this movie looks great even today. I, I feel like I go back to a lot of early color films from the, the 50s, and I don't know. They, they just don't hold up. Maybe it's you know the, the version of the film that they have on HBO Max, but this looks great. <laughs> well, let's, let's get into the movie in a little background for where Japan is right now in 1950s Japan. We, we've talked in Godzilla Reads again about the fishing industry, how important it is Japan. The booming mining business centered around coal was, was huge in Japan to help its self-sustainability. They had to expend a lot of resources during World War II because Japan only had a finite amount of fuel you know, to fuel their planes, automobiles, <laughs> their Navy. So, I mean, one of the reasons, and it's the same thing with Germany, they had to expand so much is just to keep feeding the army after the war in order to, to, to gain some self-sustainability. A lot of mines popped up. And here we see this film from the point of view, much like a lot of other Chirahana films as from working Joe's in the mines, our main characters are miners we we do get some scientists and things later on, but I feel like it's it's all focused on on those those minor characters and the village around the mine. But yeah, it was a, it was a major post war you know con- reconstruction era element to the the economy, and it's interesting that we could see that in in this movie. Starting off um, um, with those characters and the mystery of like, oh, did someone did this character murder a fellow miner? You know, like, where is he really helps set up some of the things later in the in the mind, some of the action scenes and the eventual horrors of the Mega Nulon and these giant pterodons that are in the the caves. So, yeah, what's really cool about this film is it has such a different vibe than I think almost anything we've watched so far. And it's certainly a different vibe in in Kaiju film. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. a very it's completely different vibe from Gojira, yeah. And I think that's what makes this movie extremely interesting. And I think a lot of that falls on the star of this film, Kenji Sahara. Oh yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, a lot of people describe Gojira as like a horror film. This movie, even more so, I feel like. Oh, feels it is like hundred percent shot like a horror film. There's a lot of show don't tell. You oh, only man. see shadows. There's a lot of mood music, a lot of a good directorial buildup. We get I mean, some amazing, amazing reactions. Yeah, this is a Shira Honda at I think 100. percent I think this is EJ or um, uh, this is Zubaraya definitely turned up. But you mentioned Kenji Sahara. Yeah, his reactions. I mean, he's he's definitely got the chops for any horror film he was at the time credited under different names including sawara and ishihara and played bit roles he's actually credited in both godzilla and king of the monsters 
But this is his first starring role, specifically in Toho films in Rodan. But he has gone on and will go on after this to star in almost every single science fiction film that was brought to the screen by Honda or, you know, he was involved in a ton of productions involving Subaraya like Ultra Q. And yeah, he's going to go on to star or at least have roles in almost every Godzilla movie for the next 20 years, basically through the seventies and comes back and, and does guest roles in some of the Heisei films. I think he's the prime minister when we get to those movies. So we are talking some OG Honda actors here. This is like when he first starts finding his muses, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a Honda. I think figuring out more of his voice. I think he, he learned a lot from his experience on Gojira and in terms of making a a science fiction and monster film, because uh, he had done about, I think seven films in between. Yeah, Next, yeah. Two, he, uh, four films in between. Or five 1954 films in between. And, and this one. And yeah, so he had been working, but in terms of, of kaiju cinema or science fiction cinema, this is more... I, I feel like Honda has more command over the screen in this one. While, while I think he does a tremendous job in in Gojira, Gojira was a little bit like lightning in a bottle. And this is, all right, let's take these lessons and, and see what I can do next. And I... I, I I honestly commend him for taking a different direction because he could have tried to just recreate what he did with, with Gojira. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's make another film that that's very, very specific in its message and everything. And he does something a lot more difficult. Doesn't always knock it out of the park in this film in terms mm. of the, well, I mean, he wasn't the sole writer, but in terms of how I feel like the messaging goes, but still an excellent follow-up. I mean, yeah, to be honest, if these were like the first two Toho Kaiju movies, I mean, that would be batting a perfect, <laughs> perfect score. Godzilla Raids again becomes between these films and it drags the <laughs> the ERA down a little bit. But I mean, still, that these yeah. are these are Honda's two films and they're obviously both great. We're going to you know gush over Jira Honda for the next 20 years so if you're not into yeah, it get yeah, off this podcast I mean, now right I, I am uh, I am absolutely a Honda fanboy and I mean love almost every film that he that I've seen that he made I'm excited because you've not seen the Mysterians yet is that correct I have not that very is excited that I haven't seen to talk to you about that this is the next time we're also going to see Kenji Sahara with Ashira Honda is 1957's the Mysterians as well as uh, Ikihiga Harata who plays obviously Dr. Sarazawa in Gojira but he returns in this movie as paleontologist uh, Kashiwaji who comes in you know after they figure out what's in the movie. So he's, he's not in the first half half. Yeah. But yeah, likewise, he becomes kind of workhorse for Toho and especially in the sci-fi films and would star in many of the Daikaiju films until his final role, I think in 1975's Terra of Mecha Godzilla. And he would unfortunately pass away in 1984 and I don't think had any other roles, any other like major roles after that, after 75. But he's great. And obviously he's great in Gojiri. He's great in this movie. And as far as other cast, I didn't watch this version of the film, but a very young George uh, Takei 
better known as Sulu in, in the original Star Trek series, was one of the original voice actors who dubbed this movie for the American film oh market. <laughs> and uh, I, I think he I, also did some only- for Godzilla Raids again. But yeah, I almost watched the uh, tried to watch the the dubbing just because of that. But <laughs> I, I I opted not to to kind of stay on 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 task with watching these movies as they were they were meant to be seen. And yeah, that's good. I, I would like to go through and and do a watch through like that. I've I've mostly been watching, especially for Showa era films, the just how they were originally now that we have access to the criteria and things like that, how they were originally meant to be presented. But I would like to go back and and see some of the changes. There's some great YouTube series online I can I can recommend uh, to folks and put on our Twitter that if you if you just want to know what the differences between the movies are, people have gone through and literally dissected every single change between the original Japanese and the American, which is very interesting to me, but it's because I'm a nerd about this stuff. Instead of watching a movie twice, I guess that makes more sense to, to watch a 15 minute YouTube video. Let's, let's talk more about this movie's production history and get into the film. This is Rodan's debut performance and we get a, a character with, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a brown face, brown colorization, and it's supposed to look kind of like a dinosaur. It, it is interestingly different from not a pterodactyl, but a pterodon, uh, a dinosaur, but uh, has more kind of a jagged face and doesn't have like the huge back cap. This character's iteration, I don't think they reuse this suit or these models for the other films. I think they make a new one for the 60s era, obviously. And I think they made actually a couple for Invasion of the Astro Monster and then Destroy All Monsters and things like that. It's always hard to (laughs) to remember those because there's so many of those movies that have like flashbacks to to prior fights between Godzilla and, and, and Rodan. But Rodan in this movie is played by veteran suit actor Haru Nakajima, who was Gojira and played Gojira in many films, as well as the other Daikaiju during this film. (laughs) His wire broke while he was in the Rodan suit and he fell. I want to say it was like a couple stories into the water tank. And I believe I think of the right film. I think this is the film where he was rushed to the ER in his costume. It was either this or one of the Godzilla productions where he got hurt and discovered that he was immune to pain medication. So they had to like set a bone <laughs> without oh, him. No, <laughs> in that, the I suit, mean, they weren't able is, to take the suit. Sounds off as well. awful. <laughs> but in this, this movie, he nearly drowned in the suit. You know, he's been lit on fire as Godzilla. Talk about like a real Toho workhorse. <laughs> he's amazing. And he's one of those those guys that helped develop the art of pseudimation and like, you know, believing this is an animal and not someone in a, a suit. And it's very interesting to be able to go through the history of that art form and tell who are the great suit actors and who are the ones that are just kind of waving their arms around in a monkey suit. Right. But he's, he's great in this movie. I mean, it's one of those things that just like in Gojira, like I don't, 
I don't see a person in a suit. Well, there's the, the, so there is a moment within this film at 56 minutes in, and it's the full debut of, of the creature coming out of the crater. Oh, right. Instead of this big dramatic roar at first, he kind of looks around and kind of lowers his bill and kind of pecks the ground and kind of pecks himself a little bit. Like, like Mm -hmm. it's very bird-like and it's a choice that makes him feel less like someone in a suit and more like the actual creature. And that, that acting choice completely changes how you watch it because he, he feels like he's an animatronic or a creature and not just a guy in a suit. And that's just tremendous acting choices on his part. And yeah, there, there are parts of it. You know, one of the things I do in a lot of these movies is hand puppets and, this one a lot more because they they look very similar. I can't tell the difference sometimes between what they're they're trying to do. It's so impressive for the time. This is only a couple of years after Gojira. They really really upped the game, uh, and we'll talk about the special effects later on. I just scrubbed to that point in the movie when you're talking about Miles and oh, just so good. The scene, it, the scene I, where I just, the jeep flips over and just I mean, blew me away. You see human legs and they look like they're ragdolling. <laughs> like it's a very realistic yeah. model. There's just some amazing work by Subaraya in this. I think it's probably uh, Subaraya is some, some of his best work. We see miniatures on fighter later on. And I lose all illusion that these are miniatures. I, there are parts I'm like, did they set an actual building on fire during this scene? The um, miniatures look really good. So at the beginning of the Showa era, you know, they're still making these as a big budget science fiction films. These are these are not the mm-hmm. the movies they would start pumping out as as the ones that we know. Kind of the later Showa era where it's it looks a little bit more like when the Power Rangers fight at them <laughs> with as the Megazord and the monster. It's yeah, you know, and, and even those are still super entertaining, but here they were still conveying these as as real things and using real fire and and really, really great models. And I think that that. The use of that in this film, I, like you said, I, I I agree. I think he outdoes himself. I think that a lot of the damage just looks phenomenal. And they, they have to do something completely different from Gojira. Like they have wind damage as opposed to just someone knocking over a building. And the I mean, they, they have scenes of like individual tiles blowing off of roofs. That is... That is amazing. And then just, I mean, they also have monster destruction of, of Rodan, you know, like destroying buildings. That is, that is amazing. I I mean, they just do so many things, so many things really well in this one that is, is unbelievable for the time. (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, some of my issues that come with, with the movie are more in some of its pacing and its choice of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, I mean, I think the original Gojira starts off pretty, pretty slow in some parts, same thing with parts of, of King Kong, but you can tell those movies, everything is like building up to something. This one, we spend a lot of time with the the miners in the beginning of the film and a lot of misdirection as to, to what exactly is going on. I don't, I mean, I want to say 25 minutes or so is when we see the first mega Nulon. Is that right? No, I think, oh, no, I think 
we, we see the one that attacks them at the 15 minute mark. So it's not that far, but they don't get to Rodan until the end of the first act. I want to say yeah, about 46 um, minutes. And we see the baby Rodan being hatched. Oh yeah. So, so the main character sees it before us, but then he he's pulled out of the mine and is in like a coma and has kind of forgotten the experience. But then we go back into his memories and it's just, it's, it's one of the greatest horror scenes in in Japanese daikaiju film is uh, these meganulon, which are these larval kind of like bug creatures that have been murdering the miners in the movie are big and scary. They're, you know, I don't know, the size of like a, a buffalo, basically. <laughs> so they're they're giant, scary bugs that do in their own right kind of <laughs> carry some of the, the beginning part of this movie, especially when there's one just banging around in someone's house. But in that scene at the 46 minute mark, we get to see them as these tiny little bite-sized nuggets. When snacks. We, yeah. Well, the little snacks when, when Rodan is introduced, and that is such a great idea is to escalate the, the menace in, in the movie, which we'll see in, Godzilla singular point later on. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's interesting because they do so without making it a another giant monster, which I thought was really interesting. Like they're they're giant monsters, but they're yeah. they're they're kaiju and then a daikaiju. So there, there's that. I also think that the the murder mystery aspect in the beginning of the film was really well done. Yeah, and it, it there was an eerie sense. Uh, the the, the Rodan theme is very eerie. I think there's a a great horror vibe for this, oh, yeah. this first half when they go and, back down looking for the murderer in the mine and they're wading waist deep through the water and it's all like ambient light from their flashlights it's it's great yeah, <laughs> I we're, mean, we're, and we're judging things based off of characters reactions not what they're actually seeing it reminds me of, of the haunting uh the, the original haunting not the special effects disaster from 1999 <laughs> but i think that what what also works for me doesn't completely land all the time, but I appreciated how different of a vibe this movie was. There's a working class feel to it. It's not about scientists or reporters. It's about these miners mm -hmm. and about their lives in the village. And I thought that was an interesting perspective to come from. I just don't think it, I don't think it sticks the landing in the end with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, it kind of divulges into what will be the trope for all the, well, it already has been for a lot of the American monster movies of just like, here comes the, the armed forces, basically the only thing capable of taking on one of these threats besides another monster, which we'll get to later. But yeah, I mean, the end of the film is, is really just all about the, the special effects and, and taking out these, these giant monsters. And it becomes, you know, obviously the spectacle movie that, I think a lot of people probably bought their tickets for originally. It's like, did you hear the guy that made Gojira has another giant monster movie this time in color? It's like, okay, well, that's going to, that's going to fill some, some seats for sure. We, we've talked about some of our, well, I've talked about my favorite scene. I think where we first see Rodan at that 46, 47 minute mark and, Snacking on the mega nulons is just genius. I've written my notes, scarfing them down like cheddar goldfish. It's pretty apt. <laughs> They're single bite-sized things. And then the music here actually reminds me of the 
Rayleigh Scott's Alien. You know, reminds me of the Alien mm-hmm. series, and you get just see the full on horror in Kenji Sarahara's face as he's trying to crawl away. <laughs> you know, so good. Do you have a, a, a personal favorite scene? Well, I, like I mentioned, the the Rodan's full debut coming out of the crater, oh, yeah. I thought was just just excellent. Uh, really love. There's a there's a moment where some jet pilots are are kind of trying to deal with Rodan and a lot of the kinetic shots of coming, coming, looking at the pilot's perspective, but the way they were filming it, everything felt like it was actually happening and, and it was really well done. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a lot of, a lot of fun. And th- those were, those are the big moments. I, I do love the, the slow burn murder mystery as well. But as far as a specific scene, yeah, that, 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 that Rodan popping up of the volcano was just, <laughs> yeah there's so many great horror elements uh the couple on top of the mountain having a, a picnic it's in this film right i don't have it here in my notes but uh you get to see one of them just get snatched up mm-hmm. and they they go and lay, they look at the pictures afterwards just really really great ideas from ashira honda for this and yeah moving this movie to color and letting ej super eye just go nuts I mean, they they knew they must have knew they were going to have another hit on their their hands. I think this is a movie that gives him the confidence to go on. And there's so many special effects that become just staples of the Ultraman series and Ultra Q and things like that. Is there anything any other things that perhaps didn't work in this movie for you as far as. uh, Well, so like I said, I, I do feel like the. It, tr- it starts to lose itself in, in parts in terms of the overall narrative. Like the, when the monsters kind of take control of the movie, it it does lean more into the spectacle than I feel like some of the storytelling. And and that's where this movie kind of, of loses me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really did enjoy the film. I, I felt the third act felt a little bit like Godzilla Raids again. Yeah, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I don't think they're... Uh, I mean, there's actually uh, a very similar thing that happens in both those movies where they, there's a full on attack scene of, of Rodan on, on the city and then it kind of flies away and they regroup for their ideas on like how to counter uh, counter attack, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. And, and it uh, I, breaks I do up feel- that that ending a good deal. I do feel that Rodan him, him or herself does not or itself uh, does not necessarily have a a character in this one yeah I, I feel like it's 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 more it's just like here is this this creature reacting to being woken up because this this, this we get the h-bomb test again it's blamed for either rodan hatching or waking up and that's and that's fine that doesn't really bother me so much but i, yeah, I don't I, feel I, like there was much as it's been forever since i saw this film i thought they were going to go for like a Mines of Moria thing with the miners. It's like, oh, you've dug too greedily into See, the mountain. And that's that's where I was kind of hoping this film was going to go, is is more like visceral commentary on on humanity's impact on the earth. And I, I was kind of hoping to get a little bit more of that. The spectacle was fantastic, and Rodan is, is still great, but those things did kind of just quell my enthusiasm a little bit for the film. Yeah understandably so at the time critics found this to be very successful both in japan and united states you know or theaters found it to be very successful very strong the big hit 
very strong box office showings. I have notes here about them running very large campaigns for the promotion of the movie in New York. The NBC station had commercials anywhere 10 to 60 seconds. And, you know, for a foreign film, that is pretty major. And, and this one did not have, you know, all the alterations of our Godzilla King of the Monster. So that was, that was pretty, pretty crazy. The notes here uh, that it, it grossed about half a million dollars during its, its open weekend in New York city alone, which is again, huge. And yeah, it, it broke a lot of box office records for science fiction films at the time. You know, it, it's still <laughs> at the time competing with King Kong being played like 20 something years later, but obviously there, I mean, this is a, a boom for science fiction in the United States and bringing in a movie from, from outside is the fact that it was almost as successful as Godzilla the King of Monsters is pretty impressive. Obviously, I think both of these movies are very good. This one, I think, is a little bit better than Godzilla King of the Monsters for, for a number of reasons. But yeah, Rodan goes on to obviously star in a ton of Godzilla movies after this. One of the top rated Godzilla villains or Godzilla characters, uh, Kaiju top rated character of, of all time. Uh, so we're going to see him in reboots. We're going to see him in sequels all over the place. Oh yeah. Uh, like we said earlier, he's, he's, he's often seen as one of Godzilla's pals. Yeah. And he has a very similar origin. I'm sure we'll probably see a similar thing with the, the Mothra original film, but is kind of a little bland compared to like the character it'll become and the, the crazier Showa films. I'm a little sad that uh, Rodan didn't become as popular as Mothra. I would have liked to see more standalone kind of Rodan movies or see Rodan go up against someone besides Godzilla. I'm, I'm with you. I I've always kind of been bummed out because I, I didn't really know more until I was well into my adulthood that I was always assumed that there were other Rodan movies that I just couldn't access and, mm-hmm. and finding out that no, he, he just became a prolific side character in Godzilla films. And I, I'm with you. I would have liked some more stuff focusing on Rodan. And he seems to be a very well-liked character. People were super excited about him and being in King of the Monsters. Oh, so yeah. I was, I was really hyped to, you know, learn more about him when I was, when I was younger and, and really bummed to find out that this is his only real solo experience. I, I personally like him more than King Ghidorah. I like him almost as much as, as Mothra. I I'm just like a big fan. Cause I think he has a very classic look like Godzilla. He will show up four more times in Showa era films. We could probably list them all if we we thought, but I think there's some more flashback and and stock footage he shows up in. He does, Um, yeah. But yeah, one of the greatest errors in all of the Heisei films was not bringing back Rodan for appearances. Doesn't come back until versus Mechagodzilla 2 in the Millennium series, as well as he's obviously in Final Wars because every single character is in Final Wars. (laughs) Right. But yeah, just I feel like he's one of those foils, like in 2019's King of Monsters, that's just just perfect to splash in there. As to, I mean, obviously Godzilla 2014, he had a flying opponent in in one of the Mutos, but I just 
I, I really wish instead of two mutos, we had Angiris and Rodan in that film. How great would that have been? I I would have I would have liked that. I think at the time they weren't. Sh- I, I don't know if they weren't sure they were going to have the Tokyo li- Tokyo licenses for the other monsters yet, yeah. or they were trying to save them, which I also get. But it, there there's an odd thing, and this happened with Aura Two in Godzilla Two Thousand. Is there sometimes some of these modern monsters tend to have the same kind of look, and the Mutos did the same thing. Yeah, well, and, part part of the thing is because they don't have to have a person in a suit anymore in those movies. There's not a lot of differing, or I guess there is a lot of differing designs in that, like what they can do. So the Mutos, we got like two differently kind of designed monsters, and even into King of the Monsters. Mothra looked very different from a lot of the iterations of Mothra that we we get. I would say the truest, I mean, I guess King Ghidorah is very true to the original as well, but Rodan was very true to the original, but looked more menacing in, in that movie than probably he or she ever had before. The, the Mega Nulons of this movie would actually go on to, they, they make a comeback in the Millennium series, Godzilla versus Mega Gyrus which is interesting, but yeah, I wish there was more of a legacy for this film. Let's get into rating this one. I rated this very high and I will not apologize for it because it's, it's one of those early show of films that I could probably rewatch a good deal. Almost as much as Godzilla. I enjoyed it as much as Gojira. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> oh, yes. wow. It's just such a classic monster movie. It's probably in my top five of, the 50s not that there's like a ton of competition but the the addition of color just like bumps these movies up a couple points for me <laughs> part of it is it's uh it's very beautiful to look at i wish i'd seen it earlier kind of like am i getting into to monster movies when i was you know a teenager or in college or what have you but it's one that i can probably watch a good deal over and over what about you, Mouse? Yeah, I, I like this film a, a good deal. I, I think that despite its shortcomings for you know not being a perfect movie and and you know having some things that I think it could have done better, it's it's an absolute blast. It's blast. It's a great creature feature. It's a good introduction to a classic flying monster that is just fun. And while I don't think the has a lot of personality as a character, I think the creature has a lot of personality on screen. Oh yeah, and and I, and that's clear in this movie being a success. So even though I feel like the story and the characters don't quite live up to the name, this is still a really, really fantastic kaiju film. Uh, I give it an 8 out of 10. I think that it's a, a very, very solid movie, but it's still lacking some things that would kind of really elevate it. So, which still means it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly. It's it's not my favorite necessarily, even though I love the the title character a great deal, and I think that has a couple of things keeping it from being uh, really in in a in a class of its own. But there's a lot of great stuff in this film. It, it's definitely one that she, people should check out if if they are into kaiju cinema. It's so hard because like definitely I would agree with you. We got better, more memorable characters in Gojira. But the acting's better in this movie. The acting like is the better. Characters aren't better, so it's like, you know, you know, they're a little balanced for me in, in in other aspects. But from a tactical aspect, there's no refuting it for me. I have gushed in this episode over uh, Subaraya here, and if you look back, you know, this is the master of Tokusatsu. 
at the beginning of his career at some of his most potent and free. Ashira Honda does not bother this man with his special effects. And this is him putting out what he he wants to do for this this movie and and you know training them up to perfection someplace and despite almost killing uh haru nakajima and in his his accident on set i loved every minute of the special effects of this movie this is a 10 out of 10 for me as far as the technical aspects of the the film go from you know the the score as well we didn't even talk about ikifube's score to the direction um I think this is even better than Gojira in in some ways for for technical aspects. So ten out of ten there too. So <laughs> I'm going to be the the outlier here. I I, I gave it an eight out of ten. I think there is some phenomenal stuff that is done, but I do think some of the suit work not 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 the acting, but the actual mm. suit work was really stiff. I mean, it's great for the time. Which is why oh, it's, yeah. it's still getting an eight. But there, there are some moments where you can kind of all. I think like there, there's some moments where because of the way they were designed, the head, you can kind of see the back of a person's head there. <laughs> oh and, yeah. Well, I think they were looking out like the neck, but yeah, I, I know. What yeah, you're it's, there's it, definitely it, a. You can see a, there's a lot of scenes where you can see the wires, but right. And so that that does take me out a little bit. Now I understand this is 1956, and this is you know still a. a really well done production but those those things kind of keep it i mean the the stuff with the fire was very 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 well done and most of the destruction scenes look great but some of those things just kind of keep it from being a 10 out of 10 for me yeah i understand that i i dinged gojira just because i was kind of remembering that movie based on my personal memories but like going back and actually trying to be objective like looking at some of these special effects you know it's it's hard sometimes but i, I definitely think this is Subaraya at the very least playing to a lot of his strengths as as far as the evocative kind of artistic aesthetic that this film brings i agree with you i think here that this is a, a step down from the emotional core of 1954's Godzilla, Honda's work. These are some, you know, I don't know, for the, that movie, I felt at the end of Gojira, every single human character's kind of emotions and yeah, understood where those were. At the end of this movie, the characters seemed somewhat perturbed at Rodan's death. It was still a sad ending, kind of like, you know, Instead of Zirozawa's death, we have the death of of one of the the Rodan here. But yeah, it just didn't seem to have that much of a, a lasting impact. Um, yeah, and it's a bummer because that that ending is a it's rough. Like uh, one Rodan is damaged by a volcanic eruption mm-hmm. and burns alive, and the mate that lives refuses to live without their 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 mate. And flies towards its companion so they can die together. Like that should have yeah. been such an emotional moment. Yeah, I feel like if they had echoed that a little bit more in the human characters, but we, we don't we haven't even spoke about Kenji Sahara's Goro's Goro's sister, uh Kyo, I think is his his love interest. They they don't really get a lot of time. She's definitely, you know, um, given a lot of time early on, you know, worried about 
her brother, I believe, and conflicted about her relationship here. But yeah, it, it, they just don't draw the emotional strings the the same way that they did. God, the ending just looks so good, though. Like whatever they did to make the lava effects looks really good. The it just like I said, the the special effects is probably why this movie does you know as well as many tickets as it did. But for the emotional impact, I ding this one a good deal over the original guys. I gave this one an eight out of ten for that. What about you? So for the the cultural in, uh, aspect, I yeah. give this one a nine. Rodan is a massively, massively popular character. It's it's another one that is kind of cemented in popularity along with Mothra. I mean, there, there, while there are many different monsters that appear in, in this franchise specifically, Rodan, Godzilla, Mothra, and Ghidorah are kind of the, the icons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easily the the most recognizable have the most returns here in in Showa Land. It, certainly, it, it's it's like having the Trinity in in the DC comics of of Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman. Like you have these icons who like are just kind of above everyone else because they're they're recognized recon- recognition and because they're they're a monster that everyone kind of like. Oh yeah, I know that I know that one. And and while he may not have like specifically sometimes the name value as other monsters for people who are not as into science fiction or kaiju cinema he's he's up there i mean this is one this is a character that stephen king used in the original novel version of it as a monster that plagued the character of of mike and which i i really love that aspect because as as a monster fan i was like oh it's really cool to to see that that maybe you know, Stephen King was a child in the fifties, which is why he wrote it. And so, and it's, it's hard to think of like other, I mean, maybe the, um, it came from outer space or something like that, but this is, I mean, like I said, this is a horror movie. First and foremost, I can totally understand the, um, a child love, of that time being scared. Yeah. Uh, the Lovecraftian aspect of like this giant thing could just like swallow you whole, you know, <laughs> there's no escaping from it. Yeah, so that that brings your score to a eight, mine to a, a nine, a, a higher nine, and we've we've had the situation uh, arise before. We, we're not doing half points, so we, we are boosting this up to a nine, like with Mighty Joe Young, where I think you gave it a nine, and I gave it an eight, but it was a little bit uh, higher or when we average uh, the actual scores together, move towards a nine, which I think eight or a nine, either one would, have, yeah, would be perfect I, for this movie. I'm not unhappy with it getting a nine. It's perfectly fine for it to be a little bit higher. I I, I, I mean, clearly I, I don't rate it as highly, but I'm also not unhappy about it. Yeah. I think most fans, if you've only seen a Godzilla movie before, or even if you've seen one with Rodan before, it's worth going back for certain and that's why i'm excited about getting a nine if you only go and watch the nines and tens that we give this one's great this is right up there you know certainly like i said with the 50s <laughs> monster yes. movies boy howdy <laughs> maybe it's just because we're coming off of watching a lot of the american ones that were <laughs> rated pretty low and we're going to another one next week but that's going to do it rodan nine out of ten that is that is this week's episode feels good being back in Toho's arms, like I said earlier. Well, yes. So, I yeah, I, I'm 
very, very happy to have been able to kind of take a little break from some of these American movies and and just watch a Japanese classic again. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus History. Email us with any comments, concerns, or Kaiju facts at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com and go to kaiju versus history.com to get ready for the next installment of our March, the annals of monster movie mayhem. So, uh, Oh boy. yeah, <laughs> we got through it. Thank you. Miles. Thank you. Listeners. I'm, I, if I, if I sound like I'm, I'm reticent, it's because we've got to announce what we're watching next week. And Oh yeah. Oh, when we get done oh, with this episode, it's time to go watch it. Uh, we're going to catch you guys next time. We're returning stateside. We're back to American monster films uh, where we discover that the only thing more dangerous than a, an ant or a spider is another insect, deadly insect. Tune in next time for history versus the deadly mantis. Mm-hmm.